0: All right, let's go. That just gets me fired up every time. Uh, Well, both times. That's the second time. (laughs) Uh, Welcome. I'm really glad you're here this morning. We are in a series where we are looking at the epic story that God is writing in history. Last week, we began uh, by looking at. Jesus' death and resurrection, which is the heart of the story, and we're going to rewind today and go back to the very beginning. But uh, what you see in this story, in the in the history given to us in the Bible, is that God has gone to great lengths to connect with the people that He's made, and He wants us to know Him and to cooperate with Him as He's writing our story as as we can be a part of the story that he's writing in history. And what you find in Scripture is everything points to what we talked about last week, the death and resurrection of Christ, or looks back at as a key moment in history. Today we're going to look at the grand opening of planet Earth. Every great story has key elements. There there are at least five elements in all the good movies, books, Broadway shows, all, all this, the stories, uh, they have characters, a setting, a plot, a, a conflict or a problem to solve, and a resolution. And I was going to talk about Rocky, because it's a, it's a franchise, it's a story that, you know, there's seven Rockies, okay, the last one, Creed, they resurrected the franchise with Creed, it was pretty good, actually, I saw it. Rocky started in my era, 77, so I, I was a sophomore in college and that was a big deal, but as Joel was entertaining us with the uh, announcements today, I realized that he, he's written a story as well. He, he has just written a short film and uh, it's called Worth the Wait. It won a, an award at, at the Houston Film Festival, a Remy Award. I'm not quite sure what that means. I'm not a film guy. Uh, and also, it made it into the Newport Beach Film Festival. But what what Joel's doing is he's he's writing scripts that are really stories that include all of these key elements. And in about ten to twelve minutes, this story, worth the wait, has all of these: it has characters, um, it has a setting. There's a plot. There's A goal or a problem, how are we going to reach the goal, how are we going to get there, and a resolution. This is how stories go. History has all the elements of a great story. The Bible gives the history of the beginnings of our planet and the human race, and in its first few chapters, we meet the characters, we discover an amazing setting, and we're introduced to our first major theme. The story develops a real life drama beginning with the creation of the world, which which is the world is the setting for the story and builds toward the final pinnacle in the first week of creation on day six. And we're going to dig into this from the account in the Bible. What you see is that creation reveals the power of God. The Bible begins with in the beginning, comma, God. God is the only uncreated character in the story. He's always existed. He's the main character from the beginning to the very end. Genesis 1-1 continues, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. These these verses... uh, reference the beginning of all that exists in the universe. God had no raw materials to mix together to create. And so theologians, sometimes they speak Latin, they use the word ex nihilo to describe that. Out of nothing, God creates. We've established a building expansion fund here at Church Valley. If the Lord gives us a piece of land, it would be land he made. And we would use materials or someone would use materials. You don't want me building any building. But someone would take materials that already existed. God, when he created the world, did so out of nothing. He brought the materials into existence and then he began to create. That's what we see in scripture. So when he made the earth, the first thing God did was create the materials out of which it's made. And he began then to give shape to things. Here's what's next. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So God literally turned the lights on for the entire universe. He turned them on. He flipped the switch. That's power right there. Have you ever been in a power outage for hours or maybe days? And your mind starts drifting to, boy, I hope they can figure this out. And then comes back on and you're incredibly grateful for the person who knew how to flip that switch, how to fix the problem. And bring the light and the power back to the house. I've been grateful. How how incredibly grateful should we be to God who created this universe and turned the lights on. And allowed us to see what's going on. Creation is a demonstration of God's power. I'd like to read through the first week up to the last uh, creative act that God had in the first week. But... I'd like to just run through the days. First of all, day one, he created light. Day two, he creates the sky, the earth's atmosphere. Day three, he creates dry ground. He calls it land. He gathers the waters together and calls them seas. He also creates vegetation, uh, plants and trees. Day four, God creates the sun, moon, and stars to provide light for the day and the night. These lights also serve as signs, marking the seasons, days, and years. So time, he creates time. He's outside of time. Day five, God creates every living creature, every living sea creature and winged bird. He blesses all of them and gives them reproductive abilities to fill the waters and the sky with life. And then on day six, he creates land animals to fill the earth. This includes livestock Creeping things, or I would say creepy things, (laughs) and beasts of the earth. You can see in creation that God reveals his power. The sheer size and magnitude of what God has created is is mind-boggling. Here's an image of the planets that God created in our solar system and just the size difference. The, the the magnitude look at planet Earth it's that little planet in the bottom center looks like a super ball compared to the others and fascinating thing is the way God arranged the solar system is that we're protected by the larger planets from space debris crashing into the earth and a catastrophic event for the most part we're we're protected uh, here's a sun planet comparison look at the size of the earth compared to the sun god ordered things so that we can live here it's been called the privileged planet because we have a place where people can live and survive in in the universe if we were a fraction closer to the sun we would burn up if we were a fraction a little further away we would freeze So God hangs the earth in just the right place so that life can exist. This is what we're seeing in Genesis 1. In creation, you see the incredible wisdom and power of the creator who designed it all. You also see his goodness. In the creation account, we see that God is good. And he gives a setting that we can enjoy. He, he made a world full of colors and intricate design. He made the seasons with very various colors. Here's some fall colors. I don't know if there's a filter on this, but the real thing's much more beautiful when you when you see the fall and the colors beginning to change on the, the leaves. Here's some masterful landscaping, some flowers in Carlsbad that God God uses. His, his landscape work is is way better. Than, then when we do it artificially and then he gives a beautiful light show in morning and evening the sunrise and the sunset if it's clear it's amazing when when I see the beauty of creation what God's made uh, like the a, a few weeks ago I was in the Sequoia the Sequoia National Park and those trees are amazing. There's a majesty, there's a sense where you get you get caught up in what's going on here and the setting and the variety of all that we can experience in our setting in this world. God's given it to us, we find out in scripture to enjoy. He wants us. This shows his goodness that he's given us not just a blank backdrop but a setting that we can really enjoy and come to know him in stirs my heart to thank god for the setting that we enjoy as i see this in creation god also reveals that he is personal not not a force and in a in a moment we're going to see that people were made in his image his image was only imparted to human beings, and we're different. We haven't got to that part of the creation story yet. We're about to get there, but we're different from the rest of creation. God made us in his image so that we could relate and respond to him, so that we could get to know him. He's, he's not a distant creator who created the world, moved on, stepped back, and let things roll. He's involved. We can know him. We can talk to him. He can talk to us. He can give guidance. He, he is close by. And from the description of God's design and intent, we also see that people have undeniable value as God's prized creation. Here's, here's the, the last part of the week, the last statement on God's creative work for the week. There is a ton packed in this passage right here. I'm only going to be able to unpack a a few things out of that. But day six marks the crescendo of God's creation because it includes mankind. The Bible makes the claims that then what we see here is that uh, the Bible says human beings didn't evolve by chance. But we were created by God. This means that we're not an accident. We're not random. We have purpose and significance because of who made us. And because of how he made us with his image. The Bible says that God formed the first man and the woman and then he breathed life into them. To believe this certainly requires faith, but also evolution requires faith as well. We don't think about this. We're we're taught evolution in the schools, and this this theory says that human beings were formed over thousands of years, little by little. This is quite a contrast here. God formed the first man and woman, breathed life into them. Evolution, it happened over time. But this also requires faith to believe in the theory of evolution. For instance, to function, the human body needs all of the vital organs to exist at once. For instance, the heart and lungs, you need both of those for you to, to have life, to be able to breathe and to live and to be animated. If those evolved little by little over time, when, okay, who, how did that work? How did they come into existence all at once? Or how was there enough of a heart for that uh, thing to survive? How 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 did that happen? So there there are some unexplained things in the theory of evolution as well. They go unexplained, and you have to apply as much faith, at least, to the theory of evolution as to the theory of creation, the belief that God made the world that exists. We're a mirror image of God in some ways. That's what you see in this passage. It makes us significant. God works, so do we. We're complex thinkers. We're not simple. So is God. We're not as complex of thinkers as he is. (laughs) We're creative. We can design stuff. We have to use the raw materials that he provides, but we're creative. God's creative. Just look at what he's made. We can communicate complex ideas and emotions. We can have dominion. We rule over little pieces of the world, just like God rules the universe. We're, We're made to reflect... His image. This this shows this issue that I'm bringing up shows why creation versus evolution is so important to decide on that to settle on it. If evolution is true, then our value plummets because we are just a thing. We're we're not we're not human beings. We're not very valuable. In in that way of thinking, you have to actually create value out of nothing, really, if we weren't made by the living God. We're just biomechanical machines, at best, on the same level as the other animals. On day seven, God rests. Day six, big day for us. (laughs) The first man and woman were made. Day seven, he rests after a very productive week. (laughs) I mean, you know, I can, I can take a break on my day off if I've had a a productive week. Well, this is, this is, uh, this is quite a week. The, the pattern of work then rest is established here. So as you dig into Genesis one, you find out that God, God is setting the example for us by working to create and then resting for a day. Uh, we, we work to rest, or we, we tend to work to rest. In our Nathan was talking about this at the seminar the other night, how we tend to think, well, I need to, I need to work so I can get to the rest on the weekend. But God shows us that you rest so you can keep working. That's the idea of the Sabbath in Genesis 1. So, God makes this incredible, inhabitable planet. He forms mankind. He gives dominion and authority to rule as his representatives. And this opening scene of history is full of very important details. We learn a great deal about God's character. We find out about him in the first two chapters of the Bible. We also see that we ourselves... Human beings were created for a purpose. We've been made, first of all, to enjoy, to work, and to manage the earth under God's leadership. Part, part of our responsibility and the way that God governs the world is we're assigned a piece of the world to manage. And farmers do this literally, literally. <laughs> They have a piece of land and they, they work the land. They live off the land. They create things that we can enjoy. But those of us who aren't farmers, we're given stewardships. We're entrusted with certain things family life, work, um, our finances and all, all the things that, that are involved in life. We're, we're given l- little circles of responsibility that we are then to steward well. And this is how we were made. We were made to handle things in a way that we... Accomplish God's purpose as we handle the things that He's given us. So we've been made to enjoy, work, and manage the earth under His leadership. It's also clear from Scripture that we've been made to obey and fear God. Genesis 2 shows us that God set boundaries for our good, for the good of the people He made out of love for us. Here, is the first boundary that he set in the garden. And the Lord God command, commanded the man saying, Genesis 2, 16 through 17, you may surely eat of the, every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, in this statement, he says, look, I've created all of this for you to enjoy, but this is the boundary right here. Don't eat from this tree. And you can read the rest of the story. We're actually going to get into more of that story next week. Uh, that, that's coming up. But God made us, this, this shows us that God made us with the opportunity to obey or rebel. He set the boundary. He made us with the ability to decide for ourselves. And the reason he did that, at least one reason he did that, is because this is what makes friendships meaningful we can choose to be involved or not we can choose to relate or not if he made us with without the ability to obey or rebel without the choice then that would be meaningless to god and since we can rebel if if we can choose if we choose to please god if we choose to obey god it pleases him greatly this, this is why he made us. So he made us to obey, to fear him in the right way, to revere him, in other words, and to obey him. This pleases him. Out of all the options as we handle the flow of life, as we relate to our family, as we handle work, as we serve in our ministry here in church life, we have a lot of res- uh, options in how we're going to respond what we're going to do the choices we're going to make if we choose to please God if we choose to obey him he is incredibly happy with that choice so that's why he made us finally God made us to form families and enjoy relationships he made it possible for Adam and Eve to reproduce fill the earth and cre- he created us to enjoy life with others so he, in this command that we looked at in Genesis 1, 27, he said that he wants more and more people. He wants people to fill the earth. And so there's this community aspect to the way we are, the way we're made. And when we function in line with God's design, it affirms something inside of us. As you look at how God made us to work to enjoy, work, and manage the earth under his leadership, to fear and obey him, to form relationships that please him, that the way that we relate brings honor to him and it's in line with his design. As you do these things, you experience life the way he intended. It affirms something inside of us, of how God made us. However, most days aren't problem-free. I'm waiting for a problem. I want one problem-free day. Since I've, you know, when, when I was a kid, maybe. Maybe I had some. I probably had problems but didn't care. But now I'm like, give me one. One problem-free day. Life tends to be more of a grind. Work is a grind. There are problems. There's snags. There's difficulties. We're going to look at why this is next week. But still, if you put in a hard day's work, you take your responsibility seriously. Whether you're at work, whether you're at home, no matter whatever it is you're handling, whatever piece of the world you're trying to manage at the time, if you do that with everything you've got, there's a deep sense of fulfillment that comes from that. This, this resonates with the way we're made. This is the way God made us. For instance, when I take the bull by the horns and I work with diligence, I enjoy my days. If I shrink back from what I need to be doing, I feel like less of a person. I, I'm i not the most handy person around the house, okay? And we renovated the house we're in. We bought a real fixer-upper. And... I, uh, as, as I was growing up, my dad built the house we lived in. Fascinating to me. He built it. He, To save money, he went to uh, March Air Force Base, tore down the, bungle- the, the barracks that they were selling out there, took the wood, moved it to Southgate, California, built the house. And the reason he did that is because... Um, He said the the wood, because of the war, all the wood at that time was green. And so if you built your house with the green wood, it would start bending and bowing. So he saves money, builds a house, and then he has me for a son. Okay, and this created some kind of struggle (laughs) at times. But I had no interest at all in building. None at all. But then... God provides a way for us to get a house. It was a total fixer-upper, required a lot of work, and I needed to step up and learn this stuff. You know what? That was fulfilling. I had a lot of help. I had guys in the congregation that said, "Hey, buy buy this wreck of a house and we will help you fix it up." And I believed them. I knew they I knew they weren't just saying that. So, they began to help me. I began to learn. As I stepped up to that challenge and diligently did the work, there's a sense there of fulfillment. It resonates with the way I'm made. If I shrink back, forget it. I feel like less of a person than the one God made me to be. If I let my words fly and hurt people around me, it's the same thing. I feel rotten. God didn't make me to do that. God made me to create an enjoyable atmosphere, an enjoyable environment for the people around me. I feel like less of a person if I hurt the people around me with my words and my actions, my attitudes, whatever it is. So you can see God made us to work, to enjoy our work, to manage life under him, to to fear him and obey him. And to form families and enjoy relationships. And when you live in line with his design, life is really enjoyable. It it resonates. It's enjoyable because this is who God made us to be. This is how he made life to be lived. Not just because we happen to do the right thing. This is all in, in his plan. This is all the way that he's designed it. As we look at these chapters of Genesis 1 and 2, we see that life goes better when we live God's purpose for our lives. Genesis 1.31 says uh, this, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We're drawn toward this idyllic setting. As you read Genesis 1 and 2, you realize this, this was an idyllic setting that he, he gave. And often I am swept up in the majesty of what God's made. There's, there's more to it than just seeing uh, a, a picture on the wall. Visit the Grand Canyon generates awe. Even being out surfing in medium sized surf, you get a sense of the power of God, just the waves. There's this sense. The beauty of the natural landscape can be breathtaking. And, and you realize God is an amazing, powerful God. I tend to be the kind of guy who walks into his office and doesn't pay any attention to the decor. I just go right to the desk and start working. Um, one time after we'd been in our office for several years, one of the gals on staff said, hey, do you think we should paint? And I said, I, I don't know. I hadn't actually looked at the paint in a couple years, years. And, and so this is the way I am. And sometimes this is the way we all are. It's easy to go through life focused on the details and ignoring this amazing setting that God has put us in to live life. It's right to pause and thank God for the world he's made and the beauty of the setting that he's provided for us to live out our story. Living with a sense of gratitude to God for what he's given us is a motivator that gets us moving in the right direction to please him, to do his will, to fear and obey him. He's given us this world to live in. He's also placed the highest price tag possible on us. In all of creation, we're the, we have the highest value to him. So much so that we found out last week he, his son died on our behalf. We have a great deal of significance and value before God. And if we live for his purpose, the one he's made us for, life goes better. The the opening scene of history gives a broad glimpse of God's purpose for men and women. It shows us what life was meant to be. If we try to find value outside of the one who made us, outside of God, we struggle. If we try to find it in another person, if we try to find it in possessions and accomplishments, in our work, even, work is good. But you if you try to base your value on these things, you come up empty. God God is the one who gives value to life. If you live for a purpose that doesn't fit with his plan and design, life loses meaning. His purpose is to handle life we've been given his way, to revere him and obey his commands. I, I was listening to a biography about Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote 8,000 hymns in her lifetime. When she was six weeks old, a doctor made a mistake. She had an eye infection, and she went completely blind at six six weeks old. And she decided, at eight years old, she wrote a poem. She, She just had this incredible ability to write lyrics and poetry and things like that. She wrote a poem, and I can't quote it, but it was something to the effect that even though I am blind, I will be content in this life. So here she is at eight years old. She decides to be content. She made a comment. She said, if I saw the doctor who made the mistake, I would thank him because my blindness has allowed me to live for the purpose for which God has made me. He's given me this ability, and it's allowed me. I don't have all of the distractions that people with sight have. But since I've been you know, blind, I can focus on the lyrics, on the poetry. What an, what an attitude. Now, here's the thing. You may have some tough things that you're going through that you're dealing with. Life may be very difficult. And no one can choose that attitude for you. You have to come to the point where God makes sense. Where you trust him. Where you give your life to him. And when you set your heart on fulfilling his purpose for you, then life has meaning. Despite the challenges, despite the difficulties, God wants us to play our role faithfully in our families, handle our friendships, our relationships right, to do our work well in a way that pleases him, makes life enjoyable for those around us within our power to do so. We can try to find value in other places. We have this God-given freedom. He's allowed us to choose this. But nothing will match the meaning and significance of living the way that God intends. I'd like to wrap up by asking you to take out your connection card, if you would, from the program that you began to fill out earlier in the service. I'd also like to ask uh, the worship team to come back up as we're wrapping up here and the ushers to prepare to receive the offering. Uh, please take a few minutes or some time we won't have a few minutes but a few seconds to finish completing any information or next steps on the card and I've suggested some next steps that we could take as a result of hearing the message this morning first first one my next step today is to thank God every day this week for the privilege of living in this world if you could start out that way that would get you moving in the right direction. And then secondly, to find I'm going to find significance in my value before God and live for Him. Maybe you've tried maybe as I've been talking, you realize I've been trying to find it other places. I'm I'm going to go go to you, Lord, and I'm going to find my value in you and live for your purpose for my life. And then another step would be for the first time, I'm going to commit my life to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Next week, we're going to continue the story. We're going to look at a message called Fall Apart. And the question is, if God made everything very good, why are things so messed up? We're going to look at that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of Scripture that really strengthens us and for the guidance you give that helps us to live uh, the way that you've made us to live. And I pray that you'd help us to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take and bring honor and glory to you, God, in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.